Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Spooky SLV Podcast, and I will be your host, Brad Hicks. Let's get started. Okay, folks, we've got three more stories for you tonight. The first one is called Peekaboo by Mariana Loya from Sierra Grande High School. What do you know? As I was getting ready for bed, the night seemed spooky. The whole time I felt as if there was someone else in the room. Good night, Mom. Good night, Dad. I exclaimed as I finished up my nightly routine and shut the lights off to prepare myself for the next morning. It was about three in the morning when the feeling of someone staring at me woke me up from a nightmare. I looked around my room, forming random things in piles of clothes into scary creatures. From the corner of my eye, I saw what looked like a little kid fingers hanging off the side of the door. I turned to my left, and they, and there they were, a young girl and a boy peeking over into my room. The girl seemed to be peeking over the boy. It was dark, and my imagination could only pull out shadows. But the girl had long black hair, and both of their faces were lost in the darkness. I convinced myself that it was only my imagination completely covered my body with a blanket to try and find my sleep again. That didn't last for long because a couple of minutes later the feeling I had gotten before I came back. Acting tough, I pulled the covers off my head and checked around. Of course, there they were again, but closer. I still couldn't put a face on them. They just seemed to be shadows. I finally just told myself that I went to bed. In the morning, I would share my scary experience with my parents. I turned around and covered my face again. It was a relief to wake up the next morning. I got up confused whether what I had seen was a dream if there really were two kids in my house. It was probably just a dream. There was nobody in the house last night. No, Mom, it was real. I woke up. The kids were right there. My mom thought about it. My mom thought it was all my imagination and that I mixed my dream up with real life. I carried on with my dad, and as usual, I called my brother. Before I hung up, I decided to tell him what I finally made myself believe was a dream. As I started to tell my brother about the two kids, he seems to get really interested in my story. I got chills my whole body when he I got chills over my whole body when he told me that he used to see those little kids around the house as well. Well, that's just creepy. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's nothing creepier than shadow children. Black-eyed kids that you hear stories about or shadow men like walking down the hallway, whatever. If there's two kids in your room and they keep getting closer and you can't put faces on them, screw that. That's scary. (laughs) Marina, thank you. Okay, next story is by Annika Royval. It's entitled Dust to Dust. What a long day, said Johnny. Yep, I'm wiped, replied Eddie. The four brothers, Eddie, Johnny, Orly, and Ernie, were just sitting around the dinner table, picking at their warm tortillas their sister Vanjie was making as she pulled them off the comal. It had been a long day in the spinach fields during this harvest season, and the smell of fresh beans and tortillas filled the air. As the family of seven sat around the table eating supper, the room was quiet because everyone was exhausted from a long day. Juan, the father of the family, began to speak. We need to go into town this weekend. I have a bunch of stuff to get. What all do you need, said Clorinda. Clorinda, Juan's wife and mother of the children. Just some stuff for the shop. The melancholy mood continued through the remainder of supper. 
The old house the family lived in had been in the family for the past three generations. Needless to say, there have been several spine-chilling stories that have been passed down about the house. When the children were younger, they used to be afraid of living in the house because of the stories they had heard. One of the most told stories was La Llorona. This was a very common story that most have heard, but everyone seemed to have their own version of it. The most commonly told version of the story takes place near a creek. But this family's version was told in the small grove of trees that was just down the road from the family house. The night was winding down and one of the boys were taking it easy on the sofa while Clorinda and Vanjie cleaned up after dinner. Clorinda came over to give Juan his nightly cup of coffee when a loud scream sliced through the silent room. Everyone looked up to see what it was. Being that the unpleasant sound did not continue, the family went back to what they were doing. It wasn't until until another ear-splitting screech was let out that Juan stood up and headed for the kitchen window to see what was going on. Was that Mrs. Chance? exclaimed Vanjie. You better go check on her, Clorinda told the Juan. Clorinda said to Juan, Let's go, boys. Mrs. Chance was an older woman who lived just a little ways down the road. Her husband worked for the railroad, so he was gone for weeks at a time. And her only child had gone to the military. Juan often took care of her house and yard while her husband was away. In return, she brought over fresh eggs from her chickens every week. As Juan and the four brothers got to the house, everything seemed perfectly normal. Juan knocked on the door and Mrs. Chance answered. Is everything okay here, Orly asked. Yeah, I was just about to call you all. Did you hear that awful sound? Yeah, that's why we came over. We thought it was you. No, I heard it too. It sounded like a screaming woman. We'll go check everything out. You'll be okay here by yourself? Juan asked. Yep, Ronnie's shotgun is in the closet. I'll be just fine. Okay, Juan chuckled and the five of them headed back to the truck. It wasn't until a few miles down the road when they reached the tree grove. Do you? Eddie, the youngest brother, started. That is La Llorona. Johnny, the oldest, mocked him. Hey, cut it out. Juan was growing frustrated. Juan looked in the trees and could hear some sort of meowing. Almost sounded like young kittens. Juan grabbed his pistol from the glove compartment of the truck and headed toward the sound. What they saw was something they would never forget. They looked up to the top of the trees to find a mountain lion with three meowing kittens sitting next to it. One by one, the larger lion grabbed the kittens by the neck, took them to the edge of the tree branch, and let them fall. To their disbelief, the five guys watched the kitten fall, and right as it was going to hit the ground, the bigger lion let out an appalling scream, and the kitten turned to dust. Juan decided the best thing to do was shoot the big mountain lion, so he jacked the shell, aimed for the, straight for the head, and shot. Another scream echoed through the sky. The lion fell. Poof, the lion turned to dust. The guys headed back to the house. All the way home, silence loomed in the cab of the pickup truck. Now that's a new one. I've never heard of a, an animal. I mean, I've, I've heard a mountain lion let out that scream. And it is one of the most spine-chilling sounds ever. I'd been stalked by a mountain lion up uh, when I worked by the Rainbow Trout Ranch, so I know exactly what they sound like. And that sound will make everything pucker. <laughs> but one of them turning to death, the only thing I can think of is, is like it's a spirit animal. Um, not La Llorona, but a spirit animal. Which, either way, that's still a good story. Thanks for the submission. OK, 
Okay, folks, the third story comes to us from Miss Brooke Payne, who is the daughter of Travis Payne, the teacher who has encouraged all the kids from Sierra Grand School to write in and give me their stories. The story is entitled Trapped. My dad used to own a small business when I was younger. He would be called to home, homes all over the valley to clean carpets for some very interesting people. There were some weird people in some weird houses, but because I had done it in my, my entire life, it became a chore that I absolutely dreaded. I despised it when my dad told us that we had to waste another perfect summer day cleaning a stranger's muck out of their own carpets. Sometimes we got to see some cool old houses with crazy histories and meet some very nice people, but most of the time it was just work. Every time the weather got warmer, we always got a call to clean carpets for a lady in Alamosa. This lady was very old and couldn't get around without assistance. She did, however, have a large house. Large houses meant a lot of carpets and a long day for us. The lady, on the other hand, was extremely pleasant. She couldn't see very well, so she usually sat in the downstairs kitchen while we worked. My older brother had gotten out of this aggravating chore that day, so it was just my younger sister, Lindsay, my dad, and me. Like I said, the house was large and had two stories, so we had to drag all of our equipment up and down the stairs. It was exhausting work and seemed to last an eternity. However, we had finished most of the upstairs after only a few hours of work. My dad and sister were cleaning and buffing the upstairs hall carpet when I was while I was finishing up the remaining rooms at the end of the dark corridor. I was going from room to room, making sure that the carpet looked nice and was standing up so it dried nice and fluffy. There were some creepy dolls and a cold feeling in the farthest room, the room where the old lady and her husband used to sleep before he died, and she could no longer make it up the stairs. However, I tried to ignore the unexplainable feeling and continued working and fixing up, fixing up the room. While my back was turned, the door closed behind me. I didn't give it much thought. I assumed my dad had closed the door to get it out of the way so he could thoroughly clean the hallway. I turned to abandon, uh, turned to abandon the sinister room once and for all after determining that the carpet in the room met my expectations. I put my hand on the icy doorknob and turned it. The knob, however, would not budge. Someone on the other side seemed to be preventing it from rotating to let me out of the room. For a brief, room, for a brief moment, the room became icier and it felt as if every doll in the room had their porcelain gaze fixed on me. My heart started to race and my breath quickened. Again, I tried to turn the knob to no avail. Finally, I said, Okay, Lindsay, you're hilarious. Let me out of here before we get yelled at for messing around. There was no response. The, dob, <laughs> the, dob, the knob remained motionless. I reasoned that once the hand was removed, the handle would move slightly, indicating that it had been released from the grasp on the other side of the door. The silence in the room sent shivers down my spine. I tried to turn the knob again, but nothing. I was trapped. I pleaded for the door to be open from the other side and feared that it was stuck and I was going to be locked in with the dolls and their praying stares. My eyes welled up with tears as I stopped pulling on the handle momentarily, hoping that whoever was keeping me in had finished their joke and would let me out. I grabbed the knob once more and to my surprise it turned. My heart was racing as I flung open the door. My face was flushed with rage, and I was about to give whoever was trapping me in a piece of my mind. To my horror, my dad and sister were both carrying equipment downstairs on the other end of the hallway. There was no way that either of them could have been holding the knob and had time to make it to the other end of the hallway by the time I opened the door. 
Neither of them looked at me, so they weren't waiting to see my panicked reaction to their jokes. It didn't seem like either of them had any idea of what I had just witnessed. I didn't mention the event until the ride home, and when I commented on how amusing they were and inquired as to how they got to the end of the hall so quickly, I wondered how they pulled off this trick because it was probably just a two-second period when my hand wasn't urgently trying to unlock the door. They both stared at me, perplexed. They didn't have a clue what I was talking about. They said that they were with each other and that they were aware that the house was older and holding the knob might have broken it. My dad assured me that this was not the time or place to be playing practical jokes on either on each other. After all, this was our job. He seemed very serious, and I knew that he took his job seriously and expected us to do the same. So practical jokes like this were not tolerated. It became very apparent to me that they were not holding the door that day, but I know in my heart and soul that something was. Something wanted me trapped in there. It's probably the old man's, or the old lady's husband who had passed away. Maybe. Or they could have been haunted before they even got there. <laughs> you just don't know. But something like that could have been a practical joke by the old man. Now, mind you, in that room with all the creepy dolls, ah, that's not a practical joke. That is nightmare fuel. So even if it was your dad or your sister that had been doing it, no, that's just not cool, man. Not at all. <laughs> Those dolls are just not right. I would take creepy shadow kids over porcelain dolls any day. Brooke, thank you for the submission. I appreciate it. Okay, folks, that is it for me tonight. I appreciate all the submissions. And Travis, I know school's probably let out by now, but, you know, you, if you've got a list of your contacts on those kids, tell them to send in some more stories. I'm getting a little thin. <laughs> so tonight, before I go, I will uh, again ask for my listeners to submit their stories, whether it be a true story about ghosts or UFOs or Bigfoot cryptids. Um, just something spooky that's happened to you. Uh, La Llorona. Those are, I love the La Llorona stories. So send those in. Or if it's nonfiction, I mean, uh, or if it's a fictional story, say like a horror story that you wrote on your own. You're an aspiring writer. It's, you know, it's stuff like that, short stories. Or even a sci-fi, sci-fi horror. Anything that is just spooky or scary, send it in. I, I love reading these stories. I actually really, really enjoy standing here by myself in my room <laughs> and doing this podcast. It's, it's kind of weird, but I really enjoy it. Now, having said that, I would really, 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 really love to have more submissions. I want to do more stories. This is episode 22, and I want to get up to episode 500 eventually. So... Spooky stories are what I, I'm craving. It, it, I, and again, it doesn't matter. They could be uh, supposedly true. Um, they could be fiction. They could be, you know, secondhand stories. Something that, you know, you heard from a family member years ago. Or if you can even convince them to write the story out and send it to me. Just send it to SpookySLVPodcast at gmail.com. SpookySLV, all one word, all lowercase. 
just send it in to me. I don't care. And let me know whether you want to be credited as author credit or anonymous. Either way, I'll do it. I don't care as long as I get to read the stories. <laughs> now, now that I've said all that, we'll get on to the support part. Again, I'm going to bug everybody about the support. Um, on my page, I have on my Spotify bio thing or the description of my uh, podcast on Spotify, there is a link that sends you to the support page. And the support page is something like um, Patreon, where you can do a monthly, uh, re reoccurring monthly payment of 99 cents. $4.99 or $9.99. And this is up to you. You can do recurring all you want. If you do the 99 cents, hell, that's just, a, you know, less than a dollar a month. And it helps out the podcast. It helps me get new equipment, which recently my, uh, my podcast um, switchboard up here uh, went out on me, scared the hell out of me. Uh, it just got too hot, but it, in the middle of recording, it just kind of fizzled out and you could hear it through the headphones. So, you know, you know, new equipment might not be such a bad idea. Uh, but again, this is all voluntary. I'm not asking you to subscribe to the podcast. I won't do that. I think subscriptions to a podcast, if I was, you know, sponsored and stuff like that, yeah, I might actually require subscriptions to listen, but I don't think so. Uh, it's just me standing around telling stories. I don't, I don't see a subscription as necessary. If you want to support voluntarily, I'm all for that, and I appreciate it. But again, you don't have to do it every month. You can make a payment, you know, even if it's just 99 cents. You can do that and then cancel it. So it's just, you know, help me out a little bit. It doesn't matter. I don't want, well, I'm not trying to get rich off of this thing. It would just be nice to, you know, maybe earn a little bit of money doing it too. But um, with all that being said, I do absolutely appreciate you guys listening. And uh, I'm going to give a shout out this week again to Andres Herrera, who gave me the intro and outro music, which last week I forgot all about the outro music, but this week we'll get it on. And um, go give him a listen. He has the Decibels Deep podcast. He does music reviews, uh, music reviews and tells a little backstory on some of the artists and stuff like that he's that he's reviewing great stuff and he's a great musician as well um you can check him out at the decibels deep podcast you can listen to his podcast there or by the same name uh on instagram at decibels deep decibels deep podcast or uh entropy and motion on uh, instagram either way show him some love he's done a great 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 work for me giving me the music it's just fantastic so guys good night and enjoy yourselves thanks <laughs>